this morning, as, as we kind of begin talking a little bit more about particularly heading in towards Easter season, the Easter event, I should say, of, of the Jesus moment on the cross and over the grave. Um, what, what I want to do is I felt like the Holy Spirit saying we really need to zero in on the fact that in all of this, God is declaring that he is king. It's a bit hard to sort of get your mind around the idea that, gosh, a, a, a God on a cross, how could that be a king? Um, but, but, but I want to, because in the Jesus event, what we're seeing is a complete reordering of the world. We're seeing a complete reordering of the world out from underneath the power of destruction and death and into the promise of God as king over people and his created order. And so we're going to focus in on Jesus being king, Jesus being the center, Jesus uh, being the center. And, and, you know, it fits quite well with our key scripture that we're kind of zeroing in on this year out of Philippians 2 and um, about being united with Christ. In other words, Jesus being the center. And uh, so I want to sort of pick up on a little bit of that over the next few weeks. And, and, and in Philippians 2, uh, at the very start of Philippians 2, Paul writes this, he says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've got any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one in spirit and purpose. Um, and, and you can read the rest of the chapter there uh, as we go this morning. But um, that whole idea of Paul saying, is, is there any encouragement of being connected to Jesus or united with Jesus? It's that idea of encouragement that I want to zero, zero in on a little bit this morning. Um, Paul here is kind of, uh, or before I get on to Paul, just, just think for a moment. You know, when I think about it, there's a few people in my life that at some point, um, both that I was looking for and at times people I wasn't looking for, came alongside me at certain times. They, they kind of stepped into my world and they encouraged me. Um, whether it was, um, you know, you maybe have some moments and memories of even being a student at school when you were younger. Maybe there was one sort of standout teacher that came alongside you there at the desk and said, hey, you know, you can, you can do this. You've got the capacity for this. And they showed you the way through and they helped you grow and you took great encouragement from that. Um, maybe in the workplace, you know, some of you, some of you in your vocations, when you first sort of started in the, the, the jobs that you're in right now, you kind of felt like a fish out of water or the water was too deep or, how, you know, you felt like you were going to go in over your head. But usually there was someone there that came alongside and said, oh, look, this is how the photocopier works, <laughs> you know. And they came alongside and they helped you get along the road. Well, Paul here is saying, when he uses this, uh, this phrase where he says, if there is any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort, 
from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion from being united with Jesus. He's saying that Jesus has come alongside you. And with his presence, his tangible, real friendship and lordship, there is fruit that should be flowing from that relationship. And Paul sort of points a bit of the fruit out here. Um, sometimes we kind of read that as if Paul was being a little heavy on the, on the, on the guys at the times. Like, or, or maybe we even read it like that. If there's any connection, you know, being united, if there's any, you know, there should be some fruit there. Uh, but Paul's not using that inference. What he is saying, he's exhorting them, saying, hey, you guys, Jesus has come alongside you. Jesus has, has come to you as an encourager in how to do life. And flowing from him, there's fruit. Have you got a picture of that person that came along and encouraged you? whether it was at school or even in the faith, matters of faith in your journey with Christ. Just, just give thanks in your heart to the Lord for them. Just give thanks to the Lord. Paul says, look, there, are, there is a couple of fruits that flow from being united with Jesus. The first one is this. He says if you've got any comfort from his love or consolation from his Love from the affections of the heart of God. This is the affections of the heart of God that we're talking about here. The, the, the deep-seated emotions and will and favor and kindness and goodness of God. That's, that's, that's the consoling reality that touches us by, by being um, connected to Jesus. Which basically says... I'm loved. The fruit of that is to be able to walk around saying, I am loved. Now, I know that a lot of the time we can very easily, and we do, walk around with the attitude of, I am unlovable, because it spills out of us all the time. But it's those parts that need that consolation, that comfort from the affections of the heart of God to say, you are worth loving. That's what's happening in the Jesus event. God has come alongside you to say, you are worth my love. And the fruit of that in a person's life is to be able to walk knowing they are loved. That's one of the fruits of being united with Jesus. He also said, talks about being spirit-led followers. That's interesting, isn't it? Spirit-led followers. He says, if you've got any fellowship with the Spirit, fellowship, community, oneness with the Holy Spirit. Now, as the Spirit leads, we follow. And I'll unpack that in a minute. But that's who we are. We're Spirit-led followers. And the, other, the third thing he says, if you've got any tenderness and compassion. Well, that tenderness word there in the... Is, is learning to love like Jesus loves. And it, it basically means from the very deep places. You know, sometimes when people in, engage and step into your life and you're just feeling like, oh my gosh, here comes a whole bunch of need right at me. And you just automatically go to that place of, oh, uh, 
<laughs> well, if you're coming at it like that, then you're coming out of it from yourself, not from being united to Jesus. Because Paul's saying when you're united with Jesus, when the whole bunch of need comes at you, 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 you will be filled in the deepest places and fueled in the deepest places with the tenderness and the mercy of God. And you'll be quite surprised at the resource level that is there in God for the people that he sends to your life. As awkward or as difficult as you perceive it to, it's going to be, you'll be surprised about by being walking alongside and united with Jesus, there is an incredible resource of tenderness and mercy in the heart of God that is for you, for them. To love others like Jesus does. Um, comfort from his love. You know, when I think about this, um, because what being united to Jesus is, it means hooking into the love flow that flowed, flows between the Father and Jesus. That's what it means. When, when, when we're uniting with Jesus, that's what we're hooking up into, this flow between the Father and the Son, of the love between the Father and the Son. Um, you know, it was really just wonderful to take a few minutes and watch some of those folk getting baptised, you know. and It's like you can see on their faces and you can see in the, on, the, on the water just this sense of the, the gladness and the goodness of God on their lives, you know. And, and, and it was the same for Jesus when he was baptised. Uh, you know, there was a, a voice from heaven that said, hey, this is my son whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. It's into that reality, that flow of love over Jesus from the Father that we are being drafted up into. Um, and it's not, it's, it's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's because the Father has a very, very big heart for the world, and not just humanity, but his whole created order. Some people don't think like this. Sometimes I do. I'll let my mind go there. But Jesus is a cosmic Jesus. All things hold together in him. The heavens, the stars, the planets, everything. The created order, it all holds together because of who Jesus is. And, and, and so the Father has a big agenda for humanity, but he also has a massive agenda for the restoration of his complete created order back unto his glory. We'll unpack some of that later on, but not today. But he has a big heart. God loved the world in the Jesus event. And he's not just talking humanity there. He's talking and all things. And this is where Jesus prayed in John 17. He says, Father, I want them to be brought to a complete oneness to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. This is what's happening in the Jesus event. We're being united to the relationship that Jesus shares with the Father. And when Jesus encourages his disciples, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I'm loving you. Now remain in that love relationship. John 15. I'm loved. You know, I'll talk about it because she's out of the room right now. But, you know, 
Nicole, amazing person, absolutely amazing person. Uh, but, you know, she has these little ways about her that sometimes her broken stuff leaks. And it comes out in things like, you know, like she rang someone up yesterday afternoon because, um, you know, they're unwell, and she just said, um, can, can I do something for you? Can I cook a meal or something for you? And, and, and so, you know, in the midst of all the craziness, she starts cooking a meal yesterday afternoon about half past five and then gets it all cooked up and then she get, jumps in the car and then she takes it up there and delivers it at about seven, a little after seven o'clock to this um, little family. And, 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 and then she comes home and I said, oh, good on you, babe. Great job, you know. And, she got, and her, the first thing that came out of her mouth was, oh, I hope it was... Good enough. You ever talk like that? Do you do that? I mean, I do. Well, I hope my best efforts were good enough, you know? Because we live with this sense of, I'm, I'm not really that great. But you are. You are in the Jesus event. It's God's declaration that you are. And whatever you cook, Whatever you give in his name, whatever you put your hand to in his name, it is awesome because it reflects the love of God to people. So we somehow need to come out of the mindset of trying to impress uh, even ourselves. Just surrender that and step into or remain in my love, says Jesus. I'm loved. God's going to zero in on that one this Easter for you. He's also going to zero in on the idea of being a spirit-led follower. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. If only the Spirit-led life would lead me to mountaintops alone. If only. If only it would lead to fullness of you know, of uh, just put me on that cruise ship, <laughs> SS, take it easy. You know, just, oh, if only the Holy Spirit would only lead me to those places. But he doesn't. I mean, he, he, I, I find that so interesting that Luke records there, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. The full measure of the Spirit is on Jesus, and he leads him where? Into the desert. Oh. <laughs> he leads him into the, the front line of the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy in the earth. And that place of, oh, if I, you know, God will lead you in your full moments and even in your empty half-full moments. He will lead you into both difficult, challenging environments that want to challenge your framework of faith and try and tell you God doesn't love this situation or that person. He will put you there. Yeah, he, he will put you in the valleys. He will put you in the, on the mountains. He will, the point is that he's being led. Being led by the Holy Spirit. To be united to Jesus is to become this spirit-led follower. Doesn't matter where I'm going, I'm going because I'm being led. 
John 3 is an amazing scripture you could read it in your own time about how the wind of the Spirit, he blows where he wants. We, we don't know where he's coming from next, and we're not sure where he's going to go, but we know that once he gets hold of our life and we give ourselves over, he will put us into the destination and places and relationships and situations that need the kingdom of God. Led. We're led. We're spirit-led followers of Jesus. Hopefully that makes sense. You know, I remember once, um, many, many years ago, and it was um, when my son Luke was only a couple of weeks old, six weeks old. Um, At at that point, uh, I was doing a lot of work inside the persecuted church in Asia. And I would spend three times a year, I'd be up there for sort of three or four weeks to go. And I'd sort of disappear off the radar and, and then come back on the radar again. And, but at this one time, uh, Nicole's nana was very unwell. And she was, um, uh, she'd had cancer and it wasn't an easy journey for her. And the family, Nick's family, had asked me to prep everything for the funeral. And I said, that would just be an honour to do that. And so I, as best as I could, I prepped everything. And then, three days before I'm due to fly out and go to Asia, Nana McGee passes away. And now I'm in this real conundrum. Where do I need to be, Holy Spirit? Where do I need to be? And it was so clear in my conversation with the Holy Spirit and with Nicole that the Lord said, you need to be on the plane going to Asia. But what about my family? I mean, it's and my in-laws, <laughs> you know, you want to work hard at that relationship. You, you, you do. <laughs> and, and here I am in the most um, terrible of situations saying, well, look, I'm leaving. <laughs> I know the funeral's next week, but I won't be here. And, and having to talk that through with my family, my extended family. And uh, fortunately, I, I had a friend that I was able to ring, and I asked him to, to step in and, and, and assist and facilitate the whole funeral. And it was one of those, it was just like a movie. One of those funerals by the graveside in the pouring rain, everyone in umbrellas. This is what Nicole was telling me. And here she is holding Luke, who's a couple of weeks old, and screaming, saying, hey, I want some food. And, and Caitlin, who was a few years old at the time, three at the time. You know, it was just a terrible thing. And I'm over in Asia. I'm just like, led of the Spirit. I wish it could be easier than this sometimes. But it's just about following the Spirit, following the Lord. It's not always easy. I tell you the truth, though, and this is how Jesus lived it. I can do nothing. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he's doing. There's this relationship. It's not not law stuff. It's relationship here. Jesus is working out of relationship with his Father. And then for us who are followers of Jesus, Paul writes in Romans 8, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. 
because you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or family, of God's family. We're we're spirit-led people. The Holy Spirit will put us where we need to be for God's greater glory. Have you ever been put in some of those spots where it's like, God, I really would have preferred if you'd have asked them to do this. <laughs> Why did you put me here? Well, he's put you there because his, his spirit is on you. You are united to Jesus. You are the bringer of the love of God for that situation. You couldn't be any more right, the right person for that place and moment in time. We just need to understand this. Uh, the the next one. Whoop, hang on, let me just go back here, back one. L- love like Jesus does, with tenderness and compassion. You know um, that Mark chapter six scripture is a really interesting um, s- s- moment in the life of Jesus. Right at this point, um, his uh, John the Baptist ha- has been beheaded, and news of John the Baptist's beheading has come back to Jesus. And so Jesus gets the disciples and he says, right, we just need to go and do some soul care. I need some time out with the Father. Let's just find a quiet place to do this. And so Jesus and the boys, they go to do this, but there's this massive crowd of people around that gets wind of and sees that Jesus and the guys are going in that direction. So on foot, this massive crowd of people run to the destination that Jesus is, is, is going to. And they get there before him. And when they get there, they're just bringing a whole bunch of need. Like, put that in a big bubble. <laughs> need. Human need. And the disciples are like, heck, what are we going to do with all these guys? And we're supposed to be having some time out here. And Jesus, the scripture says, full of compassion. Full of compassion. There's that word again, full, where there's fullness of the spirit, there's a fullness of compassion of God, which means, you know, deep, 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 deep down in Jesus, there's this gut-wrenching sense of look at them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus gave himself to teaching them. Right in that moment where Jesus was just desperate for some time out, but yet the, the compassion of God, when confronted with the bigness of all this human need, I mean, think of all the stories, all the busted up people, all the demonic issues that are coming with them, all the physical brokenness and sickness i mean just all the poverty all it's just all coming at jesus and jesus's response from deep in here as the holy spirit wrenches in him he says look at them they're like sheep without a shepherd and he pours his life out for them and then i love it in that context because the disciples say what are we going to do with them who's going to feed them jesus says what do you got couple of loaves of bread and some fish and they feed them all as well so he takes care of their need learning to love like jesus loves 
Jesus one day told a story about his father in Luke 15. And it's a classic story that many know called the story of the prodigal son. And it's interesting that so much focus is given attention to who the son is in this story of he gets his father's inheritance, he goes and squanders it all among on prostitutes, pigs and parties, and, and, and then he's, he's in the, the doldrums of life. And then he thinks to himself in a moment of clarity and grace, he thinks to himself, you know what, the servants in my father's household, they have it better than me. I'm just going to go back and apologise and say, I just, I just want to be a servant in your household. And as he turns for home and he comes back for home, the father, the account, Jesus telling this parable, this story of who his father is, the father in this story stands at the gate. He's looking and waiting for the return of his son. Now the son has completely dishonoured his father, not just to the father, but in the context of his community. He's completely lambasted him, shamed him out by the way he's chosen to live his life. And still his father is prepared to be publicly seen as one who waits for the return and looks for the return of his son. This is the heart of God. And then when he sees the son coming over the horizon, the father in this account runs to the son. Now in that context, the reason why the the gospel writers make a point of saying the father runs is because Jesus is trying to illustrate something very powerful that God will embarrass himself in reaching for people to know his love because he lifted up his, his, um, his outfit and his feet were exposed. And he, men don't run in that culture in that time. Men don't run particularly towards sons who've shamed them in a public way. Men don't bear their skin like that in that context and culture, but Jesus is saying, my Father in heaven is prepared to embarrass himself to get to you as you turn for him. And this is why, this is why Jesus was with deep, with compassion and tenderness and mercy, looked at them and just went, they're like sheep without a shepherd. This is the work of God in our lives. When all that need is coming at us, as individuals, with our children, with our friends, our work colleagues, our our spouses, as it's all coming at us and we're just like, oh, be united to Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and give out of who he is, the love of God for those people. Now, I want to finish with this. When we hear this sort of thing about the fruit of being united to Jesus, a lot of people will sit here and and, and we will go something like this in our head. Okay, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this now. And, And what we do is we'll exchange one performance criteria for another performance criteria in the hope that the new performance criteria will give us a better experience than the previous performance criteria okay so being united to jesus jesus wants me i have to do this thus and though so now if you're hearing that through that lens which we tend to do we're coming at it like this there's me out there and there's jesus in there 
But to get in there, I need to get over the wall, that black line around that, that wall there. And sometimes this is how we do relationships as um, individuals, um, as churches, and even as um, people in businesses. They have a very strong culture that says, if you want to be in, then you must believe this, do that, perform this way, and by doing so, we can see you're one of us, therefore you're in. And once you're in, you spend copious amounts of time trying to make sure that that wall's staying up for anyone else that wants to come in. He's like, oh, hang on, you gotta, you got to perform here before you can get in. Am I making sense as I'm describing this to you? Just give me a nod if I am. Or if I, okay, I'm making some sense. Now, let's just translate that to our relationship with God. Because that's how a lot, of, a lot of the time we do this. We think God's asking for a performance from us. He's not. But unfortunately, we, we, for many of us even historically, we've never really felt in because we've never been able to get a grasp on making sure we had the right doctrine in place or making sure I had the right belief structure in place or making sure I behaved the right way when I'm with them. And so we found it hard to become united to Jesus. Now, I want to suggest that this Easter, for all of us, afresh, God wants us to again allow Jesus to be the centre of our life. So Jesus, in the Jesus event, in his life, death and resurrection, he is declaring to the world, I'm king. That's why his message was, the kingdom of God is here now. Repent and believe in the good news. That repent, we've touched on that many times. It simply means you need to change the way you think about who God is. Now, what we're wanting to do, what I want to challenge you to do is to start to think of your being united to Jesus in a relational framework with Jesus being the centre. Jesus is the centre. He is the king. He is the king. And at any given moment in time, that's why he said it in John 15, now remain in my love. He's, he's, he's realising that, hey, there's going to be times where you're going to want out from my love, but I'm encouraging, hang with me, remain in it. Jesus is inviting us into a relationship and it's about proximity. It's about nearness to Jesus. This Easter, Jesus is inviting you to come a little closer from where you are to where he is. And he's saying, come a little closer. Now, this has a big, big impact because traditionally, you know, for uh, us as, as individuals, we're really hot on the idea of, yep, Jesus, eternity, afterlife, yep, I'm good with that. I'm pushing in real close to him for that. 
And for many people in churches, that's the only story they hear. But that's not our story. Our story is the gospel of the kingdom, the whole of life, not just our eternal well-being. So often we will find ourselves feeling a little wrestly inside (laughs) because there's so many compartments to our life. There's our finances, there's our careers, there's our relationships, there's the way we think. And all of those parts of who we are at any moment in time are at different distances from Jesus or proximity to Jesus, nearness to Jesus. And the whole idea of Jesus being the center of the king is he is wanting to bring you into the love that flows between him and the Father. So the nearer you come to Christ, the more you journey towards him, the more you yield to his lordship, the more you let him be the center, the more these various areas of our lives will experience the flow of the heart and the love of God through them. There's a famous um, picture, and um, it's an old cartoon where people are getting baptized and and, it's, it's, and when they're being baptised, the person being baptised has got their wallet in their hand, but they're holding that out of the water. It's like they're going under, but they're, whoop, let's keep that wallet up there, Whoosh, and back up they come again. It's this cartoon having a shot at the way we kind of, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll take everything that Jesus has for us for our eternal well-being, but that's about it. Don't invade the rest of my life, please. But that's exactly what God's done. He has come to invade your life with his kingdom in every sphere. So even as you're sitting there right now kind of looking at that graph, you're thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of closer to him in that area, but that area of my life, I'm like, please stay out, Jesus. Well, this Easter, his kingdom is coming for you, all of you, every part of you that makes up your life. That's why he's good news. It's just sometimes those areas of our life haven't stepped into the fullness of that revelation. He's good news. Now, the, the journey onwards, obviously, this is kind of where we want to move towards. It's called maturity. It's called maturity. Growing up into Christ. Growing up into him where all those areas of our life is just centered on Jesus. The way we do marriage, the way we parent children, the way we do our educational academic adventures, you know, whatever it is, our sporting life, it's with Jesus right there in the middle, fueling it with the love of God the Father and the affections and the generosity of God. Now, I just want to push you just a little bit more to finish with you know, our thinking, our frameworks. I just want to push you just a little bit more because what we're doing here is that is a picture of Jesus and you, the individual. But guess what? You are not the only person on planet Earth. Did you realize that? God has got a big bunch of people he's pursuing with his love. And so... Let's take the big circle as the world, okay? I could have probably busted that arrow outside the world and out into the... 
But you get the point. Your story is happening inside the context of a massive story of God. Massive story of God. And in fact, if there would be lots of those little JC bubbles popping up all over that diagram, all over the world. Because for every child that's born in the world at the moment, as at the birth rate, there's up to two people giving their life to Christ all over the world. Did you know that? That's the story we're living in. It's hard to see and hear that story, though, when all we get fed is like ISIS this, ISIS that, someone broke in here, someone murdered them, that car blew up, that house set on fire. It's hard to hear the story of the kingdom of God that's actually going on in our culture because no one wants to report the actual story of the kingdom of God. But this is what the advancing nature of God's love is like. It's going on all over the place. And, and, and so I want to leave you with this story. It's out of Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus does these great little parables. And in, in these parables, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Now, the one that we always love in Matthew 13 is the parable of the pearl of great price and the hidden treasure. But I want us to back up a little bit earlier in Matthew 13, uh, where Jesus says this parable. He says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Now, some of, I've seen a mustard seed. I've had the benefit of seeing the mustard seed from his day, his, his cultural context. And those mustard seeds are like so small. You Literally, if I, if I put one on my hand, it would be the size of the head of a, of a pin. And if a gentle breeze came along, it would just, it would be gone. That's how small a mustard seed is. So Jesus is deliberately using this as a picture word. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field, earthed it. He earthed it. He didn't heavenly it. He earthed it. He earthed the kingdom. That's important to hang on to that truth. He earthed the kingdom. And though it is the smallest of all of your seeds, yet when it grows, it becomes the largest of plants and becomes a tree so that, um, uh, so that all of the birds of the air can come and perch in it. So Jesus is deliberately trying to push people's frameworks here, saying, guys, kingdom it only takes this much of the kingdom but when you earth it and let it go to work in your life it will start to invade and grow into every aspect of your life and it will actually become so big a reality that other people are going to want to come into the reality of the way you're doing life because they see the goodness of God this is what Jesus is getting at so this Easter don't heavenly the kingdom of God. Earth, let God earth it in you and me. All those little areas of our life. Let him center himself and let him draw all that together and earth his kingdom. And the other picture he gave there is another great one for those who love to cook. He says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour 
and worked it through all of the dough. Now, if you're a baker and do cooking, you know that to um, make bread rise, you only need a small amount of yeast. But that little amount of yeast impacts the entire loaf. That little bit, that little bit of yeast that's got into your life, that little mustard seed of the kingdom of God, of Jesus as king, it's busting a move in you. That's why it's uncomfortable at times. He wants to grow through where you are and bring it to where he wants to bring it for his greater glory and your well-being in, in that process as well. Right through. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, go into all the world. Because that's where the kingdom's going, into all the world. So don't be surprised this Easter because I've been praying that Jesus would be the center. I mean, totally like centered of our life. Mustard seeds and yeast. Mustard seeds and yeast. Hey, let's, let's just pray and finish up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for... Um, oh, wow. Your great love towards us in Jesus and how... You know what? There is a lot of encouragement from being united to you. And I thank you that you're just stirring that up, that encouragement up in each of us, right where our life is and the very um, circumstances and relationships and situations where, we, where we're living because your spirit is on us and you've led us here. You've led us here into these environments. And we're asking now, God, this Easter, by the power of your Spirit, you take the mustard seed and the yeast of your kingdom and you let it grow and affect the whole of our life. Let it grow. In the name of Jesus, let the kingdom come. Be the center. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.